I want to welcome you all to the Narratives Podcast, the episode four of Genghis Khan uh, to Joseph Stalin. Again, as always, if you haven't checked out the first three episodes, not as always, but if you haven't checked out the previous episodes, then uh, do it. Go go back now. Do check it. Them out. And uh, a lot of you guys are, are on our, our bad list now because I noticed that the Renaissance got more listens than any of the previous episodes. Huh. Oops. Any of them? Yeah. Even Stephen King? No, 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 no. Previous Road to Stalin episodes. Oh. Yeah. So I was just looking and I was like, oh, look, people aren't listening in order. Sad face. It's kind of weird. Yeah. You should oh, well, probably just, listen yeah. in order. I mean, I understand that they're an hour long now, but also. Man up. Just, yeah. Just sit in the bathtub for an hour. That's what I do. Or three hours. Just get clammy toes. Let me. Clemmies? No, no. <laughs> Let me see your clammy toes. <laughs> I don't like this character. <laughs> we need to move on quickly. Let me see your clammy toes. All right. Where did we leave off last episode, uh, yeah, yeah, Brenda? Um, we were talking about Pope Leo X. All right. Yeah. We and, we said uh, we covered everything from Michelangelo yeah. and Donatello to Pope Leo. So it rhymed. That was cool. Yeah. Good, good That's job. what we, we were covering. And now we're yeah. going to move on. Today we're talking about... The Reformation. We were wrong at the end of the last... Yeah, the Reformation. Whatever. Reformation. Doesn't matter. We said the Enlightenment, but the Enlightenment is actually a different... Age of Enlightenment. I know it is something. It's very similar, very closely linked, but we're not going to talk about it in this series. I knew a history thing. In fact, I I threw this in because I figured we may as well. Uh, You will hear about the Enlightenment in our next series... Don't give it away now. I'm not giving it away, but that's the hint you get. That's weird. Yeah, you're... don't you give it away At now. some point, there'll be the enlightenment. But <laughs> at some point, you will yeah. become enlightened. Right now, we're we're at um, the Protestant Reformation. We've made it all the way from Genghis Khan to the Protestant. <laughs> from Marshawn. So, it's a bad rhyme. Yeah, it was. Not going to give you any yeah. nickels. So just, just a quick summary. We went from the Khans all the way up to Kublai Khan, then Marco Polo. And Marco Polo and the Nine Crusades and the Kings of France and King Francis and the Leonardo da Vinci and the Renaissance. And now, with the did Renaissance we, and the Medici family, we're at Pope Leo X, who's going to bring us all the way to the Ottomans. Did we ever talk about John the Posthumous? We did. We mentioned him. I really wanted to. I love him. Man. He's got one sentence. He died. I know, but it's so Three funny. Days. Yeah. Just, if you, if you really, really haven't checked out these previous episodes, there's lots of good stuff to hear. Oh, yeah. So, just head on back. And check them out now. Head on back now. Well, we'll be waiting here. Here we are. Hey, we're back. At uh, oh, Pope Leo X. That was quick. Yeah. So, the Reformation is a really turbulent time in history. It's just nuts. Yeah, yeah and that's what the textbook said uh, in social class. So, it's about to get nuts. Yeah, basically. Um, Hold on to your butts. It all starts with Pope Leo X. So, Giovanni di Lorenzo de' Medici, which is hopefully a... One of the Medici family, the big, powerful, banky boy we were talking about. Was born on the 11th of December, 1475, in Florence to Lorenzo the Magnificent, who we talked about in the last episode, or Lorenzo de' Medici. Not much is decisively known about his early life, Giovanni's, other than his receiving tonsure which is when you shave your head for religious devotion. Oh, like all of it? Or you yeah. get the weird, like, looks like no, a no, bird's nest haircut? And you just shave your head, I believe. I don't know if it's all of it or not, but he shaved his head. You need to get a sick yeah. mohawk At to seven achieve years <laughs> uh, It's probable that Lorenzo pushed Giovanni to be quite the religious little boy. And he taught, Piero, shit, huh? he taught Piero to be the Lord of Florence. So at the time, yeah, you're gonna be the Giovanni Lord, was here. older than Piero, but Piero actually inherited Florence. And Giovanni went on. He's like, I'm going to be a monk and stuff. I'm going to go achieve religious yeah. freedom. Yo. So Bye. Uh, both Florence and the Pope would be under the Medici fl- influence. Florence, the location? Florence, yes. Okay. And the Pope, the person, would be oh, under... I'm th- you meant Pope... As in Pope Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> That's, in 1475, Pope Kansas was a hot location. Was? Yeah. Heads up, Pope um, Kansas. So, uh, with, with the tiniest bit of pure conjecture, Lorenzo had a lot of motive to... Why is there pure conjecture? Because it's not written in accounts that Lorenzo was like, I'll get the Pope and then I'll have the complete control of the Pope. But, but he, but he was kind of like, I may be a sneaky boy. Yeah, he's like, hey, look at my son Giovanni. He shaved his head. 
Maybe he could be a pope, couldn't he? Look at him. He's pope it. material. Yeah. He's papable. I'm papable. Yeah. Papable. So, yeah. <laughs> Stop being coy. Oh, yeah. Stop. Keep reading, buddy. Okay, so um, when he was 13, Lorenzo appealed to Pope Innocent VIII to name Giovanni Cardinal Deacon of Santa oh. Maria in Dominica. I thought appeal just meant like he looks good. No. <laughs> Uh, he didn't really hold a, that title until he was 16, though. But he, um, three, during the three years of 13 to 16, he studied Christianity and began to fester some feelings of how he could come to power. He was quite a... So he did what Jim guy. Jones did. He read it and he was like, hmm, I don't really believe in a lot of this, but I could probably use it to gain power. Probably. I'll just start my own like kind of church and then everyone will give me money. And yeah. And I don't have to pay taxes. Well, sort of. Not really. Do we have taxes yet? Are yeah. You, I can't check my iPhone. Well, well you'll see. As it <laughs> was set out to uh, um, 1492, he officially admitted to the Sacred College of Cardinals, and he moved to Rome following his father's advice. There was a temporary setback, however, when Lorenzo passed away. That's a big, that's a bit of a setback. Yeah. When you fucking die. When your father dies. <laughs> it was a little bit of a setback. Yeah, so, it, but it it's was. like when you stub your toe. It's it like, was oh, a, that's a little bit Yeah, of a because setback. Giovanni immediately moved back to Rome. He was just like, he went back to Florence. He was like, rip dad, bye. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, oh, shit. He, um, in 1492, participated in the conclave, um, the Conclave of 1492 is what it's known as, which, which was the first what? conclave to be held in the Sistine Chapel. What's it's basically where they vote on who become no pope. Oh, yeah, it's the, like democratic. Yeah, I guess sort of, but they're yeah, it's weird. Giovanni basically opposed Cardinal Borgia's election to pope, who which he became Can't have a bird pope, as pope, Pope Alexander the <laughs> Sixth. Uh, but. It failed, and Pope Alexander the Sixth became Pope, obviously. So yeah. then there was some rocky times, which was not the sucky. fun way. Yeah, it Giovanni lived lived with Piero for a while, and uh, then there were some Florentine battles, and and the Charles the Seventh, Eighth, Charles the Eighth, the Seventy Eighth, also dealt with this guy named. Um, yeah, they dealt with him because he attacked Florence a bunch. He was like, "I want to take Florence," and they're like, "Please, we're just a family." <laughs> and, yeah, and then there's this other dude who I thought was this is a great little guy. Uh, his what? name is Giru Labo Sova Savanolaro. My name's Giru It's a really bad pr- pronunciation. I can try that again. Girolamo Savonarola. Givanarola Savonarola? Yeah, close enough. Yeah, yeah. A man who thought Florence should return to Christian renewal yeah. and called for the destruction of secular art and culture, like which was Renaissance art. So by all forms of art, yeah. I shall be the only one. Yeah, so secular art was quoted to be an increased awareness of nature. That's basically the most common understanding of secular art. Hmm. Which meant that, like, oh, it's weird. this tree isn't made by God. It was made when I planted it there. But neat. Who made it's the, beautiful. Yeah. All right. That's like secular art. So, um... It doesn't really it, make sense. But. It's awareness of nature as opposed to being like, God controls all things. Being like, oh, look, humans have organs. Neat. Does that make sense? <laughs> it's like you're just murdering people. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, anyway. <laughs> what Jack the Ripper did. Uh, despite their best de- defense, uh, the Florence uprising occurred. So Giovanni and Piero were expelled. Piero moved to Venice. They got expelled from the College of Florence. Dang it. For what? For being Medici, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, they got kicked out. Relatable. Yeah. Piero moved to Venice and Giovanni traveled in the Holy Roman Empire, the Habsburg Netherlands, and then to France. And he was on the road for six years, gathering knowledge and influence until returning to Rome in 1500. Hi. Yeah. Then he arrived at Pope Alexander VI, welcomed him warmly, which was strange because he basically campaigned against him. Yeah. He lived safely for seven years, apparently, immersing himself in art and literature. Then in 1503, he welcomed the ascension of Pope Julius II. That and in familiar. the same year, he became the head of Medici's when Piero died. Oops. Oops, indeed. Yeah. It also doesn't appear that um, that Giovanni went to his brother's funeral. Yeah. And what's the importance of Giovanni? 
Giovanni's the now the head of the Medici family. Oh, excellent. And now the Pope. Nice. Yeah. Well, not now, but like soon. He was. I guess now, if you're thinking about now in 2018, he's not the Pope. Yeah, he's not the Pope right now. But it's... in 1503 now, he's getting there. The Pope now is Danny. For a Vida. decade or so, nothing really happened until October 1st, 1511, when he was appointed Papa Legate. Or I'm legit. Papa Legit. Yeah, of Bologna. Of Bologna. And of <laughs> And the Romagna. And lasagna. Uh, there was opposition from Florence. God damn it. Opposition from Florence who declared support of Pisans. But Pope Julius II sent Giovanni as a legate with the You're papal legate, army. Peasant. <laughs> venturing against the French. Unfortunately, the French won and captured Giovanni. For the Did you first get any of that? Last time. <laughs> any of that? Pope Bologna from lasagna was like, don't. And the French army beat him. Yeah. Yeah, okay. The French never Close won enough. anything. Good for them. Yeah. Then there was a bloodless revolution in Florence, and it basically returned uh, Giovanni in the power of the Medicis. Giovanni's hey. younger brother, Giuliano, was then placed at the head of the Republic, while Giovanni ran from the sidelines. It all kind of worked out in the end. So. Who's the... Never mind. It's a bad metaphor. I'll keep it to myself. So what does that say about Giovanni pre-Pope? Not a lot. Yeah, he's, he's he's a man of business, and he's been tugging around quite a bit, I guess. He's, he's kind of doing a little bit. but he's, he's received some tugging. He's like a, whoa, hey. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it PG. Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't seem like he's doing that much right now. No. He's, he's kind of just... He's wandered around, basically. He's just like walking. Yeah. He's not <laughs> he's walk so, about. Now he's back. Hi, my yeah. dad died, but I'm back. So he's kind of in, in power, but other than that, he's not much. He's not like a figurehead, but he no. has power. Yeah. yeah then on March 9th, 1513, Giovanni was elected Pope, and two days later Yay. it was proclaimed. Because of France's actions, there were no French cardinals, cardinal, sorry, that which left the papacy between Giovanni and Raphael Riaro. Raphael Riaro sounds like a real sports Rio Rio? I don't know. Real, real. Giovanni held the support of the younger members, while Raffaella held the support of the geysers, the old guys. So it's like Bush and uh, what the other guy. I'm sure, yeah. Like Bush that. and the other guy. Thanks for your history, Eric. Who was the other guy? <laughs> yeah. Al Gore? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. The week before his election to Pope, he was ordained a priest and then consecrated a bishop, making him the last non-priest to be elected Pope. So basically he knew nothing about being a priest. Yeah. I mean, he was like, you... I shaved my head once, and they're like, you can be a pope. Yeah, if you can <laughs> read this book, you're fine. Yeah. Which is actually quite a thing now. Which cause... is why the um, Reformation happened, basically. Yeah, because they were like, hey, I can read. So, Pope Leo X has no theological training, and his young life was really not enough to properly ascend to papacy, which is a, quite a bit of problems. Are you sure it's papacy? It's definitely papacy. I don't like papacy. It's real so distracting. During his papacy, he used no. his familiar lifestyle that Lorenzo de' Medici brought him. It was the relaxed Renaissance attitude that was uh, put in place by Pope Julius II. Oh, okay. Right? So, so he was he was like Bush. He was like everyone just calm down. Yeah, it was basically Julius II as a pope. He was like, oh, well, let's get some Martin here, and I'll also spend my money. Bring me Marty. Yeah, and bring... I give money. <laughs> get Martin here. <laughs> get Art in here, and then and then. He invited, uh, you know, Giovanni back, and Giovanni was like, "I like art. I'll be a pope and make some art stuff, I guess." And that's, did he do a lot of that's art? What happened? No, he didn't do art. He liked music apparently, and he sang. But other than that, he didn't do any art. Love shack, baby. <laughs> love shack. Anyway, here's Wonderwall by the Pope. <laughs> you my Wonderwall. I love this Pope. Yeah. <laughs> this is a new song off my album. So he he was it's called Pampacy. a relaxed pope. Other than the previous ones who were like, we must, you know, no nudity. All ever. crusades are just. This Pope's like, yeah, if you want to show me your nipple, I wouldn't mind. Yeah, Woo-hoo. look at these little boys I got. Oh, Watch there's out. too many to count. Yeah. So, unfortunately, he's most famous as Pope Leo X for his concept of indulgences, which um, occurred because he essentially bankrupted the church by building the P- St. Peter's Basilica, which he wanted to be the head of the church. They already had like a, the it's Pope like had the, this church thing. And he's like, well, let's move it to this one. This one's newer. Cool. So that'd be like the White House of churches. Yeah. So like he he had a white, imagine they had a White House and the Trump was like, I want to build the Trump house. And then he went and built the That's Trump house. already happening. And, and then they moved everything to the Trump house and then Trump got bankrupt. And then he was like, 
this metaphor has gone on too far. Okay, so <laughs> it's gonna happen though. Yeah. that's actually the future. I think so. He ran out of money because he built the St. Peter's Basilica, and and actually Michelangelo worked on the St. Peter's Basilica for a little while. Oh, yeah, tying it back. Uh, it, it had originally started the St. Peter's Basilica started from Pope uh, Julius II, and now it was just sort of stagnant for a while. And then Michael or Leo X was like, "Let's build a newer version." They kind of worked <laughs> on it. A slightly better one. But after this, Pope Leo X really needed money because there was no more money. So he was bankrupted and there was no really where to get money from other than the amount of money that he was already pulling in from being the Pope. Yeah. How are you not getting enough money as the Pope? So, yeah, that's exactly. So he made this this sort of really sketchy deal with this other man in Germany who, who hey, started me. his own, I'm in Germany. His own um, yeah, I get the angle. bishop following. So we had a bunch of bishops, which was against canon law. You can't have like another set of bishops following another dude. They're all supposed to follow the Pope. Oh. But he's like, I need more bishops. And so he went to the Pope. Um, he made it all the way to Rome with 10,000 ducats to um, this all essentially like a, buy a bishop. This just sounds like a bad D&D campaign. Yeah, but Leo X, when the, when the German man appeared, he's like, well, for those 10,000 ducats, I will wipe your sins away. You will, you, no Is one has to know. Is that the sex thing? Because yeah. I'm not interested in the no, sex thing. No. <laughs> Is that what, the wiping? <laughs> what are you doing with the wiping? <laughs> I'm wiping. I don't understand. You're your sinless now. I was kind of sinless before no, you touched I knew me. You now I'm yeah, kind of sinful. So 10,000 ducats. <laughs> Yikes. He, he takes the 10,000 ducats from this guy who um, now is sin-free. He hasn't sinned ever in his life. Sweet. And um, I killed like a whole family. No, you're sin-free. Like yesterday. Yeah, you're good. That's okay. basically what happened. Neat. And then a monk named Tetzel, you'll love this guy, began hey, working me, for the titties. Pope. And Leo, and he had this fun little jingle, which went, Every time a coin in the coffer clinks, a soul in purgatory springs. That's horrifying. It's, yeah. Because you know he had no tune. <laughs> Every time the coin clanks, your soul goes, Wee! Please stop singing. Wow. At the bottom of the well. <laughs> and that's that's where Martin Luther cr- criticized the Pope Leo for. Martin Luther? I thought he was a good dude. Martin Luther? him? Not a good dude. I was thinking of Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. Martin Luther King Jr. Amazing. Martin Luther, Martin Luther? Oopsies. Maybe don't. He's he's important to history, but also oopsies. Yeah. A so. lot of history is made by people who go, oopsies. Yeah. Basically, now, after he... You know, Pope Leo X discovered how much money he could make. He was like, hmm, well, everyone, I know you sin a lot. Oh, you bet I do, baby. So, uh... What you got for me, huh? If you give me some money, your sins are gone. Z. How much money, though? Yeah, you gotta give me one coin. I don't know. Like, he he attached a bunch of prices to sins, being like, if you... If you sodomized, then uh, that's like 200 ducats. But if you uh, stole cheap. an apple, that's like two ducats. Anyway... All your sins are gone. What if I sodomized an apple and then stole it? (laughs) 205 ducats. Like, I don't know. So it's accumulative. Yeah. It was just. All right. And you could, and relatives could then buy their, like, bail their. I want my son to be pure. Yeah. Here's 200 ducats so he doesn't do the math anymore. Like, it's crazy. And he goes, now I have more money for the math. But. Before we, we trash Pope Leo X, I just want to throw some <laughs> about to get spicy in here yeah. with this roast. Yeah. Um, he was actually regarded as a fairly good figure. Many biographers um, refer to his endorsement of the arts, his love for music, and his donations of more than 6,000 ducats annually. However, these are ducats that were from the hands of singers. Uh, <laughs> uh, two things can be said about Pope Leo. One, that he was an intelligent man. And hmm. two, that he was a buffoon who liked to goof around and joke with his friends. These are, he, if you Same. want to know about his characters, he was just like, yuck. That's exactly how I I'm guess. described. So, that's scary, actually. He also liked his little boys. Oh, well, that's not how I'm described. <laughs> Martin <laughs> Luther actually tells us quick. Uh, how he vetoed a measure that cardinals should restrict the number of boys they keep for their pleasure. No. For 
Otherwise, it would have been spread throughout the world how openly and shamelessly the Pope and the cardinals in Rome practice sodomy. That's why it keeps on going on. Because people mm-hmm. get trapped in it. They're like, you saw me do it. Now you can't tell anyone or else you're complicit. Yeah. And it's an ongoing cycle and it still happens. So here we are, Pope Leo X advertising his indulgences, doing his do with the little dudes. Why do you have three young boys like and a scarf course, around your neck? Martin Luther catches word of this. Oh, I heard about your boy scarf. Martin Luther was born the 10th of November, 1483, in Eiselben, a county of Mansfield in the Holy Roman Empire, which was pre-Germany. The straightest is straight. He was the man who started the Protestant Reformation, a movement away from the monopoly of the Roman Catholic Church yeah, it was in Europe. Like, I'd compare it to Sari or Jenga, where you just like destroy everything. You got a lot of quips here, yeah? Quipper. That's all I can do. Yeah. I don't know anything. You don't know anything about Charles the or Martin Luther? No, not really. Charles? Well, actually, you, you did write some of this, so I'm, I'm reading it off of you. He, he really... Oh, me, I wrote it on my arm. Yeah, <laughs> Martin Luther really changed the course of history, actually. He's uh, considered one of the most important historical figures because he started a series of events that would domino all the way into today, essentially. Hmm. Yeah, because of him. We're in the modern world. It's because of Martin Luther the Reformation happened, and the Enlightenment, and as far as the industrialization, industrial evolution, and yeah. stuff like that. They, he had implications on all of that. And then Charles Dickens would have something to complain about. Yeah, he questioned the authority of the church, something that had never been done before, and saw through the ideas of religion. So thro- saw That's kind of great. Yeah, I'm so pro that. The Pope had no connection to God, because there's no way that the Pope, that God would condone indulgences. There's no way the God will let me do this. Is basically yeah. his idea, which is horrid. Yeah, he essentially destroyed an entire empire that ruled over the Dark Ages with 95 theses. Sweet. 95 theses. Damn. Yeah. One of the most interesting things that I found, though, was that Martin Luther is suspected of struggling with some sort of mental disorder. So nothing, um, yeah. nothing can be properly diagnosed because of the difficulties in confirming a mental disorder, but... There's a lot of theories and a lot of like evidence to support that he had some sort of mental disorder. Well, he was definitely a pedophile. Uh, no. Well, he was potentially... You're thinking of the wrong guy. Maybe I am. Pope Leo X, 100% pedophile. Martin Luther, he struggled with depression, anxiety, and sometimes some minor forms of psychosis, which sucked. So he's like paranoid schizophrenic almost. Yeah, so there's a lot of people that think he was bipolar because sometimes he would do nothing at all and just like... Yeah, yeah, be really sad, and then all of a sudden he just like turn out a bunch of new works and stuff, and then be all over the place and yeah, be those super happy. Are weird bipolar people are hard to deal with. Sometimes. Yeah, not not to not, not to diss you if yeah. you're bipolar. It's just, it's it's a different it's kind weird of man. To see. Yeah, so you just go from like I want to go yeah. outside to like please kill me. <laughs> Brendan doing circles because he has the hiccups, screaming, "Please kill me!" I'm not bipolar. He's so so. Uh, he's been described nice save. Yeah, as a sensitive man. That Martin Luther is a sensitive man living in enormous duress. Just a sensitive. But Paul man. Reeder said this, who wrote about two volumes of pathography for Martin Luther. Oh, which is that's crazy. A, that's too much. Yeah, it's no doubt that he suffered from depression and anxiety throughout his life. But if he had an underlying disorder such as bipolar, psychosis, or major depressive disorder, it's hard to say. Huh. Yeah. So there's definitely one of them. You can't just pin down which one. Yeah, you can't be like, he had bipolar disorder. No. He wasn't. Because they each have concepts of each other in each other. That's very difficult. Mental disorders are so hard to diagnose. MDSM5 yeah. and stuff. Or isn't it just DSM5? But right now we're going to look through some dates of Martin Luther because that's what we know what he's like now. His he's... first date was with Kelly and they went to Carl's Jr. Oh, boy. In 1483, November 10th, he's born. And in 1484, it's they moved really. to the village of Mansfield, Lutherstadt. 19, or 1498, Martin Luther starts school in Einsnatch. In Onion Snatch? Sure. Luther goes to study at the law of University of Erfurt. Erfurt? In 1505, caught in a terrible storm in Stotterheim. This is one of the most important events of his life. His names are horrible. Luther vows to become a monk if St. Anne saves him. Basically, he was riding along with his with his father... And then a lightning strike happened like really, really close to them. And he jumped up and screamed. He was like, help me, save man. He's like, Annie, are you okay? (laughs) So, (laughs) Are you okay, Annie? No, he he said something along the lines of, I will pray to, like, I'll become a monk, St. Anne, if you spare my life or something. You've been hit by 
Lightning. And he gives up his career as a lawyer and immediately joins the uh, Augustinian order at the monastery in Erfurt. He because basically held this. Went like, yeah, he, he was like, I will never forget that. It was just nature, though. In 1507, he it's his first mass on May the 2nd, which is fun. In 1508, he arrives in Lutherstadt Wittenberg to lecture and study at the university. Then in 1510, he walks to Rome, which is about 1,000 miles. I was going to say, he walks to Rome? Yeah. That just sounds weird. Yeah. Hey, That's I'm what they did. Walk to BC. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. Luther preaches against selling of indulgences in 1517 on October 31st. He nails the 95 theses to the door of the Lutherstadt, the Wittenberg's church. It was a long castle. nail. Translated from Latin into German, this printed declaration spreads like wildfire. He also changes his name from Luther to Luther, which may have been a Greek play on words. Martinus Eleutherius, or Martin the Free One. Just kind of neat. I am Martin the Free So a little one. word about this. As soon as you posted the 95 Thesis, everyone lost their minds. They were like, oh my god. But the did, church... Did that happen? What? You cannot say anything bad about the church ever. And yeah, if you do, and then they started reading it. And they're like, what? He's right. I I actually paid money to the church. Wait a minute. I gave them all my money just so they could go... Because you have to remember, not, not a, a lot of people were literate these days. And so the Pope would preach something in the Bible, and sometimes it wouldn't actually exist. <laughs> and so Martin Luther was like, yeah, look, there's nothing in the Bible that says you can do indulgences. Nothing. Nada. Ever. And the people are like, wait a minute. Oh, no. Yike. He's yeah. going to come up. Yeah, so they all were, were really afraid. Well, there's a, a group of, like, a bunch of people who were afraid that uh, everyone was going to die because of sins and whatnot, and there's going to be a second coming of Christ and blah, blah, blah. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, I guess. But Either that, one of those I'll take. But what really happened was Pope Leo X went, You liar. I will court you. I will court you? Like, No, loose? I will put you in court. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you won't... So in 1518, Luther is charged with heresy in Rome. He defends himself in Augsburg with arguments based on the Bible rather than the church doctrine. He has to flee, returning to Lutherstad. He asked to flee? No, he has to flee. I thought he was like, can I flee? (laughs) I really like to flee right now. It's so loud, that water bottle. I'm such a thirsty boy, though. Under the protection of Frederick the Wise... Uh, the elector of Frederick the Third. He's he flees. Just call so, him Fred. Yeah, he hates him. Fifteen twenty one, Luther is excommunicated and summoned to appear before the Diet of Worms or the Council of Worms, where what? Emperor Charles V of the Holy Roman Empire is presiding. His words: "I neither can nor, ne- sorry, I neither can nor will recant," challenged authority in a way that would change the course of history. On his journey back to Lutherstadt Wittenberg, he is kidnapped and taken away to Wartburg Castle near Einsharge. Just sounds gross. In reality, he is once again under the protection of Frederick the Wise. Safe in the fortress, Luther grows a beard and goes by the name of Squire Gorg. Or Gorg? Junker Gorg. Hell yeah, Gorg. In just ten weeks, he translates the New Testament from Greek into German. Oh, if I could do that, I would. Yeah. Just grow a beard and start going by oh, Gorg. You're gonna, if you could t- translate the New Testament from Greek to German. No, fuck that. <laughs> 1522, Luther returns to Lutherstadt Wittenberg and sets off a series of theological and social reforms, such as education for all. He encourages musicians and poets to write music and hymns for church services. Make a funny poem. Uh, The God is gone. It's a good one. Yeah. You can come in. 1523. (laughs) It's a one-line poem. Yeah. Luther encourages monks and nuns to leave their abbeys. One nun who followed his call was none other than Katharina von Bora, who fled Lutherstadt Ooh. Wittenberg, where she would become, uh, she would come to meet Luther. There's a lot of sirens going on right now. That's what happens when you touch all them little boys. Yeah. These sirens come rolling up on your way. Luther married Katharina von Bora on December 25th. Luther holds the German Mass, the very first Protestant service. Whoa. Which is neat on Christmas. Yeah. On Christmas? Yeah. 1529, Luther publishes... The large catechism, an easy to understand explanation of <laughs> no, Christian theology. The title isn't even easy to understand. No, it's confusing. Then in 1530, the Augsburg Confession is written by Luther's close associate and friend, Philip Mellencatten. He presents it to the Diet of Augsburg, but his arguments are rejected once again. However, this document was and still is the cornerstone of Lutheran faith. 
Then, in 1333, the Klugs songbook uh, is published, including songs like A Mighty Fortress is Our God, Luther's Best Known and Best Love Hymn. So he wrote his own hymns sometimes, too. So he's like, it sounds like almost like he's like writing hit songs. And they're like, hell yeah, man. Yeah. Play the fortress is a god. God is a, a brick. God structure. is a brick fortress. What? Yeah. In 1537, five years later, Shamalkadan hosts. I hope I'm saying that right. Shamalkadan? S C H M A L K A L D E N. Shamalkadan. Skamalden. Skamalden? No. Shamalkadan. Shamalkadan. I don't know. Let's just call him like Shamalkadan. Sean hosts a group, a grand meeting of the Sean League of Rulers <laughs> and Theologians. Luther presents the article, or his articles of faith, a summary of the Lutheran doctrine. So at this point, he's already got like a bunch of Lutherans following him, and he's like, this is the religion of Lutheran. It's Martin Luther and the Lutherans. Yeah, basically. Um, we're not Catholic. We're Lutheran. Yeah, I like Luther. Fun fact, I'm actually a Lutheran. What? Yeah, it's a fun fact. I was baptized Lutheran. Oh, okay, but you you're not like religious. Not overly, no. Not remotely, I suppose is the proper term. Next episode on the narratives. Brendan Muslim? Ah question mark. <laughs> ah, exposed. There's nothing so, wrong with that. Uh in fifteen forty six, ten years, eleven years later, after he's he's basically been parading around gathering a whole bunch of of Lutherans, and he's he's got his own religion now. He holds his own I mass, really and does a whole bunch of stuff. Parade. He's he's been doing a good job, and he actually, because of this whole Reformation, tears apart the Roman Empire because people inside the Holy Roman Empire are like, well, why would I follow the Pope? He's got a whole bunch of lies up his sleeve. Yeah, Lutheran, I'm gonna not follow Ludi boy. Loot yeah, great. So basically, the Holy Roman Empire, which was connected and held together by Christianity and Catholicism was torn apart between reformists and Catholics. So That's probably good. Something needed to change. Yeah, and then, of course, it happened. And after that, a whole bunch of new shit goes down with the Industrial Revolution and mm. all that nuts. So, um, uh, This is cookie. something I've been forgetting to do for the last little while. Now is a great time because these episodes are a long time. They're an hour. If you want to pause and come back, it's a good time to do that right now. We're just right in the middle. And we just finished learning about Lutheran's life. He just died, basically, and oh. after 11 years of, of parading around. In 1546, he dies in Lutherstadt, Eiselberg. His coffin is carried to Lutherstadt, Wittenberg, where he is buried in the castle church. As recorded on his tombstone, he lived for 63 years, 2 months, and 10 days. Hmm. But yeah, now's a great time if you want to go get like a drink of water, if you want to come back to this episode on another day. Go pee. Yeah, go do whatever you need to do. Are we going to plug our sponsors in this gap? Yeah, sure. May as well. Go ahead. You, you so. go ahead. Your my favorite better. My favorite sponsors is um, I really like to be sponsored by Kelsey Robinson. She, <laughs> I really love it. He's reading off the script. It says, I love it. I really, really love it. Yeah, I'm amazed. I'm loving it. I really, really do. Um, she's a wonderful script. artist who I personally love her art. Um, not because I have to, but because I do. Because it's unique and it's, what's the best way to put it? Unique and it connects to you. And if you want to look at some of her art, all you have to do is head on over to robinson.k underscore art on the, no, not the, it's on Instagram. Sorry. And you can check out all the art she's done. She's coming up with new stuff and she likes to experiment with art. And she also will take commissions if you ask her. Nice to do it. Ask her. Mm Mm-hmm. You better do it. But that's that's it. All you have to do is go on over to robinson.k underscore art on Instagram and you can check out everything she has to offer. And more. And more? Yeah. There's more? There's more than she has to offer. Like what? I don't know. More stuff that's going to come out since now. Cool. How about you? Well, I can talk about one that's super close to my heart. I love it. Not because I have to. <laughs> because I want to. It's uh, Rob Vote 80s. So if you are into 80s, like... It's basically the way I look at it is I wasn't alive then, so reading Rob's thing, it's kind of like I was. Like he was talking about when the the third Star Wars movie came out. Mm. He was talking about that recently. And there was a lot of hype for Star Wars. Yeah. I'm not a huge Star Wars guy. My dad told me about it. There was so much Star Wars hype. It was crazy. Go check out Rob Vodades for more info. Uh, Do it. 
or yeah, I'll um, find you. RobVote80s.com, right? RobVote80s.com. You can also, don't forget to check out our Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And at The Narratives Snapchat. on all of those. All you have to do is search up The Narratives. And it might help if you search up The Narratives podcast. But other than that, you're listening to The Narratives on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Find me on Snapchat at Dr. Fantasty. That's an underscore between Dr. and Fantasty. Thank and you. Hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. Bye. So we just left off at the death of Martin Luther. Indeed, we did. So let's just let's just break. cover a little bit of um, uh, some unfortunate stuff about Martin Luther. Now. Poor unfortunate Luther. No, he was an anti-Semitist. He's not a Christian <laughs> guy. Um, we can't let that slide. There's no way I would ever. He wasn't a crusader by any means, but he did write a 60,000-word treatise called On the Jews and Their Lies. Oh. Yeah. Unfortunately, his anti-Semitism was a significant contribution to anti-Semitism in Germany in history. First lie. Schmear is not good. I've tried it. It doesn't go good with, like, any bread product. That's not the right... Not... <laughs> that is Martin not... Brecht, a church historian, says this. There is a world of difference between Martin Luther's belief in salvation and racial ideology. Well, Nevertheless, his misguided agitation had the evil result that Luther fatefully became one of the church fathers of anti-Semitism and uh -oh. thus provided material for the modern hatred of the Jews, yeah. cloaking it in the authority of the reformer. This actually goes up to the Nazis. It goes yeah. that far. It's, it's really that, bad. Uh, Hitler's second-in-command, Heinrich Himmler, actually quoted this guy. Oh, a bunch. And on his a birthday, lot. on Martin Luther's birthday, November 15th, they published his... Um, in a magazine, they published his 60,000 on the Jews and their lies, and it became the most widely published and read anti-Semitic books. Are, back in the day, it was all the worst books. Mm. Like back in Witch Hunts, it was the Maleficaris that was published everywhere. That was like a legal book on trying witches. Yeah. That was one of the first published Jeez. books. That's Yucky. why the whole witch trials thing happened. Yucky. Well, we should talk about the witch trials someday. I love the witch trials. That's oh, we can super interesting. That. I love witch trials. I just need to get a drink of water there. Sorry. God, I want to find a witch. Yeah. <laughs> Let me know if you're a witch. Yeah, if you're a witch, please. No reason, just because. Like, hit us up. We don't have burning torches or anything. No, no. Anyway, uh, now we go back to the Diet of Worms and uh, Emperor Charles V. Remember the Diet of Worms that, that no. Martin Luther was in? Well, he appealed in front of the Diet of Worms, basically, because... How to eat fried worms? No. The Diet of Worms. How do you... It was, it was a... It's a thing that happened in Worms, Germany, which is an unfortunate oh. name for a town. Oh, I thought it was actually like a punishment. Yeah, it's very... Yeah, no, no. He There's a bunch of people, um, the Pope and King Charles V, mm. or Emperor Charles V of the Holy Roman Empire was there, and he was basically holding this whole court thing. They basically tried him on his crimes of committing crimes against the pope i guess treason and stuff because they're like they're no this is false all of everything you wrote in your 95 thesis is false you're a bad guy and they basically tried to make you're a bad. um example out of him unfortunately because of the corruption of the church there are some people inside the church who even supported martin luther which aided to his escape like we said he fled and that essentially completely failed uh, the, oh, because sucks. because the church no no his escape of success his success his escape was successful i success but the diet of worms failed by of making an example out of martin luther so martin luther was able to reform catholicism into lutheran and also at the same time as this there's the whole thing going on with king henry the eighth of england oh, who reformed in his go. own way shortly after uh, there's also a lot of other reformers who create their own sort of religion. There's another dude in the um, reformers. I think he's in Hungary, or Hungary, Hate crimes sorry. in disguise, or Austria somewhere. But he basically he it was really funny. I don't know a ton of details, but I remember this from history class. Ooh. He he's like, well, I'm just going to combine Christianity with a bunch of other stuff, and it'll be a really simple religion that everyone can worship, and it'll be super popular. Anyway, flash forward 25 years, it was so complicated that nobody followed it, and everyone hated him. What was it? It was just, I don't remember what it was called, but he's just like, neat, new religion, check it out. And everyone was like, ah, it's confusing. It's like when you want to play D&D &D and then you see the rule book and you're like, oh, I'm okay. Yeah, geez. <laughs> I'll just wait Yeah, they're like, forever. neat. I want to be 
uh, I want a Zanist or something. I don't know what it was called. There, Zanist? No, it wasn't Zanist. I was Yo. thinking of Zanism, which is different. But well, maybe don't Zanist anyone today. No, I won't. But we're going back to the Diet of Worms, and um, we're going to talk about Charles V of the Holy Roman Empire. So he actually held the most impressive reign of any European monarch because he systematically gained control of Spain, Germany, most of Italy, Burgundy, and other low countries like Greece and Austria. Not low on the totem pole, but lower in the Mediterranean. I can't believe they got Burgundy. Yeah. That's so sad. They have Burgundy now. So how did he do this? Um, A lot of his relatives died and he consolidated (laughs) the throne. (laughs) You're you're a little too happy when you say that one. Yeah, It's an extremely complicated family tree with loads of incest and such. This is where white people get their incest from. It all makes sense when you look at the Um, family tree in the Habsburgs. All you have to do is search up Habsburg's family tree. It's H A B S. Looks like a cracked window. There's so many different branches. Oops, 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 oops. That's cousins. Oops, that's brothers. Oops. I mean, oops. Yeah. There's a lot of oops. But it's disgusting. If you actually look at that, it doesn't make a lot of sense. You're like, what the hell is going on? That family tree is so confusing. Anyway, if you eventually break it down, which would take a long time, you'd get it. But the quick notes is that he became the significant heir of Burgundy, Austria, and Spain because of his relatives dying, and he was just like, I'll take that. Yikes. Then he inherited areas of the Netherlands, and How his did they father... How die? Did he just murder a bunch of people? No, no, they just died, and he was like, neat, neat, double neat. Maybe the last one was killed by him. Double homicide? More yeah. like double rag in the rack? It's pure conjecture there, but <laughs> what we know is that they died, and he took the thrones. He had to, uh, it was really funny, mm. when he took the Spanish throne, he didn't know Spanish at all, and then he's like, I'll learn Spanish to become the Spanish king, and they're like, seems legit, and so he, <laughs> he did that. He actually learned Spanish? Yeah, he's like, he learned Spanish. Huh. Uh, we're we're going to talk about that in a second, actually, it's really funny. Charles V was born on 1500 as the eldest son of Philip the Handsome and Joanna <laughs> the Castile in the Flemish city of Ghent. Gant? Which was part of the Habsburgs Netherlands. Welcome to Habsburgs Netherlands. The culture and courtly life, or courtly life of the Burgundian Low Countries, were an important influence in his early life. He was tur- tutored, sorry, by William de Croix, who would later become one of his prime ministers, and also by Adrian Utrecht, later Pope Adrian the Sixth. Oh. It is said that Charles spoke several vernacular languages. He was fluent in French and Dutch later adding an acceptable Castilian Spanish, which Charles called the divine language, probably because it gave him access to Spain, required by the Castilian courts generalis as a condition for becoming king of Castile. He also gained a decent command of German, in which he was not fluent with prior to his election, though he never spoke it as well as French. A witticism sometimes attributed to Charles is, I speak Spanish to God, Italian to women, French to men, and German to my horse. Nay. Yeah. <laughs> Nine. So. Nine. <laughs> he spent a lot of time in his early life visiting France, and he mostly visited Paris, really, which was, a, a, at the time, the largest city in, Western, in the he Western world. He went to world. Paris. Surprisingly, he did not spend a lot of time in Germany, where he was eventually elected as emperor. Yeah, why is that surprising? Uh, yeah. Who wants to be in Germany? Isn't that all, like, just cold? No, and... it's surprising that he didn't spend time in Germany and then was elected for being more German than his... Um, more German than his competitor. Well, you're blonde, I guess. Oh, no. Come on in. So, uh, he uh, reportedly won the election because he was more German than his competitor, like I said, That's who was considered to be a Frenchman. This what? victory was short-lived as uh, Lutheranism eventually tore the Holy Roman Empire. The Holy Roman Empire apart, not the Holy Roman. They didn't take... Empire. Yeah. And forcing it into a sort of hiding until the Industrial Revolution. So, sort of a geographical peekaboo. Yeah. Holy Roman Empire was like, bye. Whoops. And then (laughs) Industrial Revolution came by and we're like, we're the German Empire. Different, Uh but the same insignia. Oh, we're the Nazi German Empire. Oh, no. Yep. I left you alone for two minutes. Yeah, whoops. We are. (laughs) So. We hate babies. uh, Watch your Germany, or else it might burn. Go check your Germany. See if you yeah. left it on. Yeah. Uh, so we're basically just going to look at the conflicts um, with the Ottomans, uh, which means we're getting really and close to Stalin, we'll actually. To, like the tables and the so chairs. The, st- the struggle with the Ottoman Empire <laughs> was fought in Hungary. Damn, it was too Imagine good. Imagine a group of Ottomans. Just like we attacking. Are, they are 
They have land. The chairs are gonna. The chairs <laughs> coming next. The Ottomans. No. Damon. I love cherry. Wood. So the struggle with the Ottoman Empire was fought in Hungary and the Mediterranean. The Turkish advance had halted at the siege of Vienna in 1529, and a war of attrition, which was conducted by Charles' behalf, um, which was conducted on Charles' behalf by his younger brother, sorry, Ferdinand, King of Hungary Ooh. and Archduke of Austria, continued for the rest of Charles' reign. In the Mediterranean, although there were some successes... Are we discussing France, Ferdinand? N no. Not yet. There's a different friend, Ferdinand. Although there were some successes at this war, he was unable to prevent the Ottomans increasing naval dominance ah. and the piratical activity of the Barbary pirates. We're Barbie pirates. At the time of the Ottomans. Sorry. Poke, we're sharp. At the time, the Ottomans were being led by the 10th and longest reigning sultan of the Ottoman Empire. Sultan. Su sultan. Suleiman the Magnificent. Yo, he sounds like a rapper. He reigned from 
Charles V, really, if we're thinking about him, not that much of an interest. Yeah, why do. are we thinking about him? <laughs> we're not. He's he's like, other than being the most breadthy of European monarchs. Breadthy? Yeah, he had a lot of breadth in power. Was he, he like a D? Yeah, I guess. It's pretty he, big breadth. Yeah, he's... It's on Mike Tyson's his boobs. Yeah, he's... Other than that, he was the... I mean, if you really want to get into European history, then I guess he's kind of interesting. But in the scheme of things on the road to Stalin, uh, his most important factor is that he went to war with the Ottomans and he struck a deal. He had like a five-year peace treaty going on with the Ottomans. and Five-year the plan, five-year plan, five-year no, no, plan. No, 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 not yet. Not yet. This, <laughs> this later. <laughs> he had a five-year peace treaty with the Ottomans. Five-year plan. And then the, the Ottomans just basically... Still, like they're like, well, if you're gonna be a wuss and run away, then I'm gonna be the empire. As Brendan is fond of saying, "What a wiener!" Yeah, what a wiener he was. But that's where we are. Yeah, I the remember road to Stalin. that. Yeah, I did it. So, just one last time, don't forget if you haven't listened to the other episodes, go on back and listen to them. Go on they're, back. They're handy little things to listen to, and you can just string them together. You can you can take breaks halfway through. Um, other than that, you can check us out on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play. Definitely follow us on Facebook or Twitter. And Post me lots on of Snapchat. Updates. Oh, me. and uh, one one other update that I forgot to mention is our Patreon is back online. Woot woot! And if you donate, I mentioned this on Twitter and Facebook, if you donate as little as $1, we will send you a hard copy. We're going back to the, to the 90s. We're going to send you a hard OG. copy of one of your favorite episodes, and we'll sign that hard copy. Yeah, man. And then you will also get the chance to choose another unique person for the narratives to cover. Basically, if you donate even a dollar, we'll put it into like a big kind of like chart system based on how much you donate eventually. Mm -hmm. So if you donate like $2, you might be like ahead of the $1 donation. Yeah. But yeah, even if you donate a dollar, you're still going to get a lot of super cool perks yeah, so and our on, sloppy signatures. Yeah, head on. That's yep. great. <laughs> Eric's spelling like e not even Q just shorthand C <laughs> <laughs> but head on over to the narratives patreon at the narratives patreon that's it and uh just if you have anything we would love podcasting is is not cheap no so but here we are if you enjoy us don't forget to check out all that head out on over to our uh, older episodes eh oh and yeah then, that'd be nice there if you're still kicking around you might be wondering Oh my, what's in store for the next episode? Well, actually, Sunday, this next Sunday, Sunday what morning. what day is it? It's Sunday the 20... Today's the 17th, I know that damn well. Uh, Sunday the 21st of October, we're going to have an episode, a special episode about Martin Luther King. What, what? Woo, we're it's going... not really in the timeline. Yeah, but... no, it's not in the timeline at all, but we figured that it was a neat little tie-in. Because of the name, obviously. Should have waited till February. But we're gonna we're gonna talk about Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. And his awesome life, the amazing person that he is. And get hyped. hope you guys enjoy. And then after that, then we'll return on the road to Stalin. We're gonna talk about the Ottomans and the Ottomans war with the Russians. All right, it, Russians. It's your boy Beetlejuice signing out. Yeah, tap, here we tap, are. Bye. See you later. <laughs>